You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Cardinals, daily podcast talking about St. Louis Cardinal baseball for Friday, April the 29th of 2021. I am Lucas, excuse me, 2022. <laughs> I am Lucas Smith, host of the Locked On Cardinals podcast. Thanks for tuning in today and each and every day that you tune in. We've had a couple of scheduling mishaps on my end as we prepare to get the show out. Thought it was going to be out in the morning, then rain hit here in Columbia, so my umpiring got moved up, then it got moved back. Thought I was going to do a post-game show, then it got moved back later, so I'm umpiring later tonight, so recording this about midday, we're getting it out. So I apologize for the different communication errors, if you saw it on Twitter or not, or Instagram, uh, but nevertheless, we are talking Cardinal Baseball, we are talking about the offense today, as well as previewing uh, tonight's game against the Diamondbacks and the upcoming series against the Arizona Diamondbacks. But nevertheless, let's go ahead and get into it. Thanks for tuning in today. Last show of April, uh, with tomorrow being the 30th and Sunday being the first. Last show of April. Hard to believe that this month has already blown by just like that. But after a couple weeks of questionable activity offensively, especially two games against the New York Mets, this offense has responded pretty well. With a 10 spot against the New York Mets on Wednesday, and then an 8 spot against the Arizona Diamondbacks yesterday, but we're kind of talking about today, we'll get into the struggles a little bit or kind of the fool's gold part of it in a little bit, but I want to start positive about the offense because scoring 18 runs in two games is largely a positive thing for a team to do, is that this is a mark of a good team because over the course of 162 games, that is a really long time. It's a long, 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 long season. So over the course of that time, you're going to have ebbs and flows in a lineup. You're going to have ebbs and flows in the rotation, in the bullpen, on the field even. Every aspect of the game is going to go up and down. So the Cardinals were in a bit of a downturn there for about a week. And again, I'm not trying to say that it's over, but the mark of a good team is being able to not let a downturn turn into a long-term slump, right? Um, The offense struggled for about a week. They were winning some games. They took two series in Miami, in Cincinnati, so they were able to get the job done, but there were still wide concerns, and then they go out there and score 18 runs in two games. So the, the positive point to this, in, in my estimation, is is that the mark of a good team is being able to weather the storm. The Cardinals did not let the offensive struggles last more than a week or so before they showed their offensive muscle over the last two games. So that's the good thing, right? But all problems are not just solved. You still have Paul DeYoung that's struggling. Molina got a couple hits yesterday. Bader did yesterday as well, but you still have them as question marks. Teller O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, all these guys are still question marks right now in the offense, and we'll get into larger offensive struggles in the second segment as well. Um, but you still have these problems. And because now you have the problems of consistency versus slugging. Because the, the offense over the last two days, he had to score 18 runs, but they didn't have a single extra base hit yesterday. And on Wednesday, Molina, Edmund, Arnato, and Bader had extra base hits along with Carlson. They, they haven't had a home run in over a week. Home runs are down across Major League Baseball. I get that. But it, that doesn't mean it's not a concern for the St. Louis Cardinals individually, or as a team, I guess I should say. So I misspoke on the segments. We're talking about specific matchup in segment number two, but for segment number one, we are going to get into the team stats of it because there are some good things. There are some good things with with the offense. They had the fewest strikeouts as a team in the National League at 142 coming into play today. They're fifth in average, 
team-wise at 248. That's pretty solid. But then you get into the, the, the concerning numbers for the St. Louis Cardinals. Because, yes, they've scored 18 runs the last two games. You, you have some positives in there. But they're 10th in slugging at 364 as a team. They're 7th in on-base percentage as a team at 324. So their OPS is 9th for 688. These are all league-wide, so within the National League. They're 12th in home runs. They have 13 home runs this season. 13. They are hitting a home run on average about every 46 at-bats. That is is the 12th lowest rate in the National League. They're tied for 11th in doubles with 27. So all either middle of the pack or lower. Because this offense has the capability, we saw it opening week and the first week or half or so of the season, this offense has the ability to be really good. This is a, a name-heavy lineup from, from my perspective, at least, with, with Arnado, Goldschmidt, O'Neill had a monster year last year, Bairder had a really good year, Carlson has the potential of the world. But right now, they're just not putting it together, A, consistently, and again, it's hard to say super consistently after... Um, not a whole lot of games, right? The Cardinals are just 11-7 and seven on the season after their win yesterday against the Arizona Diamondbacks. So just 18 games in. But still, the consistency hasn't been there yet. Somebody commented on Twitter or YouTube. I forget where it was, so I apologize. But they mentioned that this is kind of reminding them of teams in the past where they are really good for a game or two and then silent uh, otherwise. But I understand that concern. I do. So it's the consistency that is a, a problem for me, the lack thereof, I should say. And it's the lack of slugging and thump in the lineup. Because when you have guys like Paul Goldschmidt that haven't hit a home run yet, Dylan Carlson hasn't hit a home run, because here are the Cardinal home run totals. They have 13 on the year, okay? Nolan Arenado has five. Tommy Edmond has three. That's right. After 18 games of the 2022 baseball season, Tommy Edmond is second on the team in home runs. No disrespect to Tommy Edmonds. He's had a good year to start the season. But that usually is not the mark of a good offense when your top of the lineup hitter or someone a hitter like Tommy Edmonds, more of a line drive hitter, is second on the team in home runs. Albert has two. DeYoung, O'Neal, Kisner all have one apiece. So O'Neal's got one, like I mentioned. Bader's without one. Carlson's without one. Goldschmidt is without one. Even though he's having a really solid season in other statistical categories, is the lack of home runs concerning to you? I want to know. Drop a comment in the YouTube section. Are you concerned? Or are you just saying it's the it's the way baseball is this season so far, so the Cardinals are with the trend? I'm not overly worried about it. Interested to hear your thoughts on that subject. But at the, the bottom line, whether they're going to hit home runs or not, you, you could argue that you don't need to hit a lot of home runs. We look at the 2015 Kansas City Royals World Series championship team. They, don't, they were last or low in the league in home runs that year as well, and they won a World Series. So I'm not saying home runs need to come pretty quickly, but I'm saying extra base hits do. I mean, this was the first time I think I saw a tweet since 2004 uh, that a team had more than 15 hits and or more than 14 hits and not a single extra base hit. I mean, it was a barrage of hits. It was pretty fun to watch. You know, I'm not saying that the watchability goes down if you're not hitting home runs. But... Home runs are a stat for a reason, and you need to have the power to back your back your names up. Paul Goldschmidt, yes, he is hitting 296 and has an OPS of 719. He was three for four yesterday. Where's the power at? If you're going to have Paul Goldschmidt in your lineup, you'd like to see him get a little bit more power. You'd like to see more power from O'Neill. You'd like to see a little bit more power from Carlson. 
Bader as well. Their OPSs are down because their sluggings are down because they're not hitting home runs. And they're not hitting doubles. So again, home runs aren't the biggest issue. They're, that's just a part of slugging, right? To me, it's the doubles and the extra, the extra base hits in general that is a little bit more concerning for me. So I'm not trying to be too pessimistic. I mean, the Cardinals have scored 18 runs in the last two games. They had 15 hits yesterday. I think it was 14 or 15 the day before. Um, so again, not trying to be overly pe- pessimistic, even though the Cardinals are on two-game winning streak. Uh, they had, yeah, they had back-to-back days of 15 hits. There it is. Back-to-back days of 15 hits with the St. Louis Cardinals offense. But again, that power not being there is a cause for concern. They're hitting the ball hard. They're finding holes in the, in the defense. I'm not complaining I'm just saying, is it starting? It, it, are we starting to get to a point where we need to be worried about where the slugging is or where the slugging is not? I guess is the better way to put that. Let me know what you think. This offense right now on a bit of a roll for two games. Yes, they're playing the Diamondbacks, but there is a part of me that wants to say, or that has this opinion or this feeling, right? This is kind of a fool's gold area right now for the Cardinals. And that, yes, they're winning games, they're scoring a lot of runs, but is it sustainable? So, we'll see. And it's a balance, right? Because early in the season, you thought they might have been too home run reliant, too home run heavy, so now they're just switching back. And this also could be an ebb and flow, like I talked about earlier in the show as well, how these things just kind of tend to happen. And that's true, these things can just happen. But it's league-wide that these things are just happening in terms of the lack of home runs. So that, that, that is why I spent this time talking about it. But I kind of want to shift focus now to a specific offensive battle. Talked about a couple of them in, over the course of the last couple of weeks. Hit or miss here and there a little bit. But I want to focus in on one um, specifically saying is it time for a shakeup. And I think there's a really good argument. A really good argument. To say Nolan Gorman, Nolan Gorman needs to be at the Major League Club. So talking about that coming up here in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you about the best tasting protein bar on the market, and that is Built Bar. Summer is coming, and with summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. Throw them in your bags, in your kids' backpacks. Make sure that everyone has a bar so you are fueled and ready to go for your summer adventures. What do you think the best part about Built Bars are? They're healthy and they're delicious. No more sacrificing delicious food for health or vice versa. With Built Bar, you can have both and it is easy. All you have to do is go to Built.com and order it right now. All Built Bars and Puffs, which is a protein-infused marshmallow, are covered 100% in real chocolate. That means with Built Bar, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy doing it. Because most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein. You compare that to a candy bar, easily. 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs, no protein. Built Bar is the way to go. So go to Built.com, check all your favorites. They got banana cream pie, raspberry, double chocolate. That's my favorite. And so many more. They're all delicious. New flavors coming out all the time. So go to Built.com and be sure to use the promo code LOCKED15. That is L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCKED15, for 15% off your order. Once more time, that is LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. And with Mother's Day around the corner, we are introducing you to BlueNile.com, the original online jeweler. They have fine jewelry. You can give it as a gift for Mother's Day because that is coming up just around the corner. So go to BlueNile.com to see what Mother's Day 
options are available. And whether she prefers a statement piece or everyday subtle elegance, BlueNile.com has a fine jewelry options for every mom. You can shop high-quality classic diamond earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, or gemstone pendant necklaces. If you're looking for fine jewelry but are having trouble choosing, not to worry. BlueNile.com has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. And be sure to mark Mother's Day with something enduring. Or if you're celebrating the special woman in your life, BlueNile.com can easily navigate thousands of fine jewelry options at every single price point. So this Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Sports listeners get $50 off $500. That's right. This podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day. So hurry. Use code Locked On. That's code Locked On. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. You can shop stress-free and find your forever peace at BlueNile.com today. Nolan Gorman is a highly titled prospect in the St. Louis Cardinal system, and he's a point of contention for a lot of Cardinal fans. So far in 18 games at the minor league level, Nolan Gorman is putting on an absolute show. Two doubles, but he's got 10 home runs, 15 runs driven, and he's walked five times. His average is 343. His on base is 390. His slugging is 800, and his OPS is 1190. All of those are well above his career norms and our career highs. I get it. It's 18 games. You're not going to expect him to come up to the major league level and hit 10 home runs in his 18 games and hit 343 and slug 800. I mean, that is just out of this world. He slugged 481 across two teams last year. He slugged 439 in 2019, and he slugged 570 in 2018 across his minor league career. So it's not like high slugging is out of his repertoire or out of the norm for him. 800 definitely is out of the norm for him, but it's not like the other numbers are. So why Gorman versus DeYoung? They don't play the same position. Well, it's because Paul DeYoung is occupying shortstop. Tommy Evan can't play shortstop. So why not just move Tommy Evan over to shortstop? DeYoung goes to the bench. Maybe you send Sosa or Donovan back down. Then you go with Gorman at short at the second base position. Paul DeYoung was given has been given every opportunity to start at the major league level. And he was given the opportunity to run with it this season. And he looked really good in spring training. And there are times that he looks good today. It's just off. Timing's not there. Whatever. But when you have somebody that is 7 for his last 48. With an on base of 255. And an OPS of 505. Because he is slugging 167. With an on base of 222. That's not good. I'm sorry, that was over his last seven games. His slugging percentage for the season is still 250, so still not great. And his on-base is 255 for an average of 146. The OPS for the season is 505, which is well below, below Paul DeYoung's career OPS of 750. I know with, with, with the new CBA, you've got different options, um, a limited amount of options you can go to because uh, you can't just send guys up and down 8, 9, 10 times anymore. But I think the Cardinals need to take a serious look at calling Nolan Gorman up. Just to see what he can do. Because he's doing it at the minor league level. And he's doing it very well. Yeah, he struck out 25 times in 18 games. But the dude is putting up just straight numbers. He deserves an opportunity to make the major league level, in my opinion. 
and I'm not saying the Cardinals need to send DeYoung down, and I'm not, you know, I'm not making that at, make, not making that point at all. But at some point, you have to ask yourself, when is enough enough? How many times is too many chances for a guy like Paul DeYoung? And how many times are you going to have to say, Gorman, wait your turn? Wait your turn. Because, yeah, Nolan Gorman right now is only 21 years of age. He's only been in the minors for five, four, four years, no, four seasons. Didn't make majors in 2020, and there also was no minor league season in 2020. But across 325 minor league games over the course of his career, at every level you could possibly play at, it seems like. 274, an on base of 343, he slugged 500 on average, and an OPS of 843, 67 home runs. He's driven in 196. We're going to see Nolan Gorman in 2022. You can book that right now. It's not a question of if. It is a question of when. When does somebody get hurt? When is enough enough? When do you see September call-ups, right? With the roster fluidity right now, you might not see Gorman for a, a bit. Might want to keep the pitching on hand for from the Cardinals' perspective. But wow, oh wow, is it going to be tough to keep Nolan Gorman down for long? Because there was some other prospect that hit 10 home runs in 16, 17 games. Seattle, Pittsburgh, not Pittsburgh, Seattle, somewhere out out west, I want to say. And he was called up. I understand Paul DeYoung is getting paid. I understand that that contract is in the way. And I understand that Paul DeYoung is not the only one struggling in this lineup. There is also an argument, a, a lesser argument for this first one. There's also an argument to send Dylan Carlson down for a little bit, or bench him, or to bring Newt Bar back out. There's a slight argument, you maybe bench Bader. Neither one of those two things are going to happen. There's an argument as well, a really good argument in my opinion, to start Andrew Kisner more often than Yadier Molina. And Kisner has started more often this year than he has at any point in his major league career. And Yadier Molina is sitting more at this point than he has at any point in his major league career, barring any injury that he has had in the past. So those things are happening. And I understand that you have to be very careful with call-ups, with, with the amount of times you option people up and down. So that is, it's not black and white issue. What is black and white is that Paul DeYoung is struggling and Nolan Gorman is not. Those two things are 100% true. Without a doubt. You're not going to bring Gorman up play him at shortstop. I understand that. So when Gorman does come up, That does mean Paul DeYoung's playing time will likely increase. You also have the other aspect of this for anybody screaming at me or yelling at me saying, what about the other DH position? That is also an option. But the reason I don't bring that up as the forefront of this issue with Nolan Gorman is because if the Cardinals, Cardinals have been known to do this. When they call up their top prospects, by and large, they're going to play. They're, they're, that's a reason that Matthew Libertor isn't in the major leagues right now. When they want their top prospects to play every day, that's when they're going to call them up. By and large. And I like that philosophy. I do. Again, I'm not the the 20-something-year-old trying to make millions of dollars in the major league level, so maybe they want to just be up at the major league level whether they play or not. But from an organizational standpoint, don't call them up if you're going to sit them every other day. So when Gorman comes up, in my opinion... He needs to play every day. He'll DH versus righties and not, you know, maybe you sit him versus 
or not sit him. You sit DeYoung versus lefties, and you move them into short. You put Gorman, Gorman at second. Move some things around. The, the lineup will be fluid. I think I just said that incorrectly. When there's a left-hander on the mound and Gorman gets called up, Pujols is the DH. You move Edmund to short. Gorman slides in at second. When there's a righty on the mound, Gorman's the DH. Edmund moves back to second. DeYoung to short. Got it figured out. Give Gorman a shot. Let me know what you think. I want to know what you think on a couple different things today. First of all, comment your thoughts on the offense lack of ability to hit extra base hits and comment what you think about Nolan Gorman. Should the Cardinals call him up? Should they not call him up? What are your thoughts? I think there's a really good argument to see Nolan Gorman at the major league level. Like I said, Paul DeYoung has, is, and will continue to get every opportunity from the Cardinals to get the everyday starting shortstop position completely his. They've been clear about that from day one. But even you, even Sosa at the major league level right now is getting getting opportunities to play over DeYoung. So let me know what you guys think. I'm excited for Gorman to come up whenever he does come up. I'm excited for Gorman, Libertor. The, I, the, the future will be here when Libertor is up, when Gorman's up, when Herrera's up, and when Walker is up. Jordan Walker is going to be something fantastic when he makes the major league level. That dude is the real deal. So we'll see if Gorman does get brought up. Not super confident it's going to happen anytime soon, but there's a really good argument for it. So we'll see what happens with Mr. Gorman. So that's about the future. That's about possible situations. What about the here and now? We do have more baseball to talk about from the St. Louis Cardinals perspective. And they have three games remaining with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yesterday, it was just, it was over from the get-go. Two runs in the first, three in the third, three in the sixth to steal it. Um, I do want to, before I move on completely, actually, you know what? I'm going to take a break and then I'll come back. I'll talk about yesterday's game. And then I want to talk about the really intriguing matchup tonight of Madison Bumgarner and Adam Wainwright. Two guys that just know how to get it done. So before I tell you about that, be sure to go to betonline.net if you want your betting stats and sport info because betonline.net is your number one source for your betting stats and sports information. You can find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, which we're getting into the thick of, as well as this year's Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sport wagering information, and it's all kinds of sport wagering, whether it's live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action because BetOnline is where the game starts. Cardinals were really good yesterday um, against the Arizona Diamondbacks, like I mentioned, winning 8-3. to The cause of concern nearly yesterday outside of the offense not slugging was Aaron Brooks continues to struggle. His ERA sits at 7.71. He was able to eat up two and two-thirds of an inning, but he gave up four runs, and or four hits and three runs, excuse me. Uh, Wickren came in, gave up a hit and a walk, but he also got a strikeout to finish the job. Um, did Wickren, um, but nevertheless, you still worry about Aaron Brooks. Dakota Hudson continues to get better each and every start. He has improved from the first start to his next start. 27-year-old right-hander, he was he was good yesterday. The walks are still a bit of a concern as he did walk three more Diamondbacks yesterday. But six shutout innings of baseball, one hit, four punch-outs, can't complain. I mean, after that really bad start against Milwaukee, he has t- turned in two dandy starts Um has to go to Hudson. So I'm really excited for what he does for the rest of his season. Looking forward to his next turnout. But for today, Cardinals will send 
Adam Wainwright to the mound. And who's he going to face? Oh, just some no-name pitcher named Madison Baumgartner. Not a no-name. That was a complete joke because you, you missed that. But then, nevertheless, Madison Baumgartner versus Adam Wainwright. These, this is the definition of two veterans that know how to win. Madison Baumgartner, multiple-time World Series champion with the San Francisco Giants. Adam Wainwright won it in 2006, went to the World Series with the Cardinals in 13. He probably gets credit and has a ring for 2011 as well. But these are these two gentlemen's career stats over the course of the regular season. If you just hear my stomach growl, I apologize. I could hear that through my headphones. Um, career regular season for Adam Wainwright. 186 wins, 107 losses, 336 ERA, 429 games, 362 of those are starts, 2,396 and two-thirds of an inning. So 2,396 and two-thirds of an inning, 2,026 strikeouts. For Madison Bumgarner, over the course of the regular season, 127-107 win-loss record, 329 ERA, 328 games, 325 starts, 2,052 innings, 1,961 strikeouts. He has been around. Both these guys have. And Madison Bumgarner is having a pretty solid year through his first four starts. He's coming off five shutout innings against the Mets. Adam Wainwright is coming off two, or one good start, but one bad start against the Reds. Five innings, eight hits, four earned, three walks, and three strikeouts. But these are two guys that simply put, know how to win know how to get the job done. And they're, they're not going to light up the radar gun. We're not going to see many flames tonight coming up when the, the speed is registered at, at 89, 90 miles an hour. But if these two both if these two gentlemen are right, we're going to see some soft contact. We might see some strikeouts here and there. Bumgarner had four strikeouts in five innings in his last start, five and five the start before that. Um, like I mentioned, Adam Wainwright in his last start, three strikeouts over five innings. Six strikeouts over five and two-thirds before that. And then the seven-strikeout performance against Milwaukee, although he only went four and a third. So we could see a handful of strikeouts. We're not going to see Max Scherzer strike out ten or ten strikeouts tonight by one pitcher. I doubt that. But we're going to see some soft contact. We're going to see some good pitching. We're going to see two guys that know how to pitch, not throw, right? And the Cardinals got off to a great start yesterday with the offense, so we'll see if they can continue it there. Um, against Madison Bumgarner, some good, some not so good. Nolan Arenado in 63 at-bats is hitting 254 with three home runs. Paul DeYoung, 231 in 13 at-bats. But the person with the most at-bats against Madison Bumgarner, Paul Goldschmidt. Shocker. In 71 at-bats, Paul Goldschmidt is hitting 338 with three home runs and 14 runs driven in. Yadier Molina, 280 and 25 at-bats. Everybody else is minimal. Pujols is 3 for 10 with a home run. We, uh, we'll see him in the lineup tonight as DH. And matchups against Adam Wainwright and again, with a very young Diamondbacks team, not a whole lot. Nick Ahmed's two for nine. David Peralta's four for, or excuse me, five for 11. And Christian Walker's four for nine. So a little bit of experience against Wainwright, but not much. Uh, tomorrow, a couple of date games to finish out the weekend. Cardinals and Diamondbacks, 115 on Saturday. Um, it'll be Merrill Kelly versus Miles Michaelis. And Miles Michaelis was just phenomenal in his last start. Merrill Kelly is also having a really good start to his 2022 season. Um, you might not know the name. I understand that, considering it's the Arizona Diamondbacks. But he is having a really good start to his season. Uh, he's 1-1, one one, but in four games, all of them starts. He's got a 1-6-9 ERA, 22 punchouts, and 21 and a third innings pitched. So, in my opinion, the Cardinals have the pitching edge over the next couple games, although it's not as much of an edge as it might usually be. Um, because the Diamondbacks pitching, at least numbers-wise, has been really good to start the season. On Sunday, we'll see if this remains true, but right now, Jordan Hicks is scheduled to get the start. 
um, against Zach Davies. Zach Davies has not had a good start to his, his year. But even if Jordan Hicks doesn't start, I do think the Cardinals are in a good spot to do some really good things this weekend. It's, it's always hard to predict a sweep. But I talk about this a lot. If you're going to be a playoff team, like the Cardinals think they're going to be, and I think they will be as well, you've got to find success against teams like the Arizona Diamondbacks. They took care of business yesterday. We'll see if all these games happen as well. The forecast does not look good in St. Louis, especially on Saturday. Um, so we'll see what happens there um, with any rainouts or doubleheaders that could happen. But I think the Cardinals have set themselves up to win this series, to take two out of three of these next three games, and overall to take two out of four against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Let me know your thoughts in the comment section below. And, and all these thought processes, I don't mean to discriminate against those not watching on YouTube, whether you want to talk to me about the slugging of the offense, Paul DeYoung versus Gorman, um, series prediction, any of it. You can always DM me on Twitter at LJFastball, DM the show on Twitter or Instagram at LO underscore Cardinals, or email, that's always an option, LockedOnCards at gmail.com. Uh, that's going to do it for today. I think the Cardinals are in a really good spot to take the series this weekend against the Arizona Diamondbacks. So until I talk to you guys on Monday, which will be May, hard to believe, uh, be sure to stay safe, stay well, and have a fantastic rest of your day.